Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Job chapters 17, 18, and 19. So Job's continuing here in chapter 17, and he is asking for hope if I just had hope he said my spirit is broken and my days are extinct the graveyard is ready for me who is there who will put up security for me he's asking If I could just have hope, I could get through this. You know, that's the power of hope. That's the power of the resting belief within you. To know that in every situation that you face, that there is one extra variable, always at work, always able to do exceedingly or abundantly more than you could ask for or imagine, and that person is Jesus Christ. Job is yearning out that he could have security. Security. He said, if someone could just put up security for me, if I just knew that I had reason to hope. And that's what God did when he sent his son Jesus, is he showed us that we have reason to hope, and then the Holy Spirit was released upon us. And now is security. The word says that the Holy Spirit is the installment or the security or the seal of of what is and also what is to come. We have eternal hope living within us through God's Spirit. But Job's crying out in the midst of everything that he's going through and he's just wishing that he had reason to hope. And then uh, Bildad speaks up in chapter 18, and this is, you know, more of the same, kind of a broken record sometimes, isn't it, in Job? Because Bildad speaks up, and he immediately begins to talk about, you know, that basically that the same pattern we've been reading about from his, from his friends, that God punishes the wicked, and... He blesses the righteous. God punishes the wicked and He blesses the righteous. And that any movement outside of that activity is impossible. Okay? And and so they really thought they had figured out God. And they're incredibly hypocritical. Which is probably their number one sin. Is that they're incredibly hypocritical because they're, they're wagging their, their heads and waving their fingers at Job. 
who was actually a man more righteous than they were, but they they completely throw off the integrity of his character that they've known and assume that he must be completely wicked to have be going to be going through the things in his life. Imagine that about your closest friends and the ones that you walk with, and the ones that you do life with, and the ones that you work with, and the ones that you see day in and day out. Do you not feel as though you know their character? No matter what would come and no matter what would what would happen to them. You know, and so these these men were so lost in their religion, in their and their misunderstanding about God that time and time and time again they just keep insulting Job not giving him comfort not giving him grace not giving him encouragement not giving him any love but just basically saying repent Job repent and um, and Job his answers are not necessarily things that you would want to get tattooed there's Job's definitely hurting in all of this. And so, in, in Job's responses, there's a lot of hurting, there's a lot of brokenness, there's a lot of sadness, but there's also the wisdom that Job knows that God is sovereign and that his wisdom is not like our wisdom, his thoughts are nothing like our thoughts, and that God does what he wants to do because God knows ultimately what is best in all circumstances, in all seasons, in all situations, in all people. He knows that. And uh, we have to have that belief as well. Not not this simple religion of, if I do good, God's going to do good to me, and if I do bad, God's going to do bad to me. Certainly we have the spiritual principle of that what a man sows, he'll reap. Okay, we know that by sowing good seed, that there will there will be good harvest to come up. But we can't think that that spiritual principle is going to be an absolute definite every waking moment of our lives because Jesus sowed nothing but good seed but reaped a bitter harvest of death and pain and suffering. Why? Because he prayed not my will, but yours be done. You know, look at Paul and Peter and John and all, you know, all three of these men who, who died horrible deaths and didn't live much better lives than Jesus with tribulation and with attacks against them and persecution in their day-to-day lives. And we would look at that and go, well, they sowed good seed. Why didn't they reap good harvest? Well, because their harvest wasn't the idea of, you know, a big giant home and comfort. Their idea of harvest was kingdom growth. Their idea of harvest is the kingdom advancing, God growing, and His will being done. So as we sow good seed, God's kingdom grows. And we could even be so bold to say, if I sow bad seed, maybe my kingdom will just grow. And what a waste that is. But, you know, it's it's foolishness for us to think that the wicked never prosper in their way. Because they do. They prosper in their way. Unfortunately, their way is useless.
you know, I, I, I remember hearing it said once, and I've it really stuck with me. And I'm gonna see if I can remember what it what it quote, close enough of a quote to what it what I heard. But it's that we shouldn't be afraid of failing, but rather of succeeding at things that don't matter. I think that's the greater thing of concern. And that's true when we look at this world, is that so many people are just succeeding at things that don't matter. That's not harvest, church. That's not... That's not harvest. They're, what they're what they're sowing into doesn't matter, and what they're growing isn't eternal. It's it's finite. It's fleeting. It's passing away. You know. So yes, sinful, wicked people can get good jobs and work a lot of hours and make a lot of money and drive nice cars and have big families and all of these things, but they have no hope. They have no belief. They have no purpose. They have no a heavenly assignments you know and so that is real harvest and so we, we've got to kind of erase and I, you th- maybe you think why, why am I going on about this so long is because I want to break our mentality that his friends had that God's never going to let anything to come into my path that's difficult because God very well will allow things to come into your path that are difficult. And he does this because he's trying to grow in us character. He's trying to reveal his light through us. You know, he, the radiance of his glory shining through us is most powerful and best seen in the darkest of seasons. When we're rejoicing and filled with peace and love and joy and all that and we just got a bonus at work and we just you know started construction on our vacation home and you know that's nice man that doesn't really minister to anybody you know but when we're going through some difficult times and other people around us can see that but our hope is in Jesus and it's secure it's an anchor and the waves are, boy, they're beating on me, but I'm not moving. That's that's shining of a light. So we that's one reason why we have to go through things. Because it ministers to this dying world. It, it, what's more important than our lives ministering to this dying world? So if we have to go through things sometimes just to show people that there's something greater inside of us than anything outside of us, then it's worth it, isn't it? Another reason we have to go through things is because it produces in us character. It produces in us endurance. It produces in us righteousness. You know, the mountaintop seasons, they teach you a little bit, but the valleys is where you learn most of your stuff, right? It's in, it's in the low places that you're the hungriest for God. It's in the low places that you're examining of your life and your choices and your steps and your words and you know it's in those moments that you really grow you know it's the pressing it's the crushing it's those moments that oftentimes produce in us um, some of the greatest uh, fruits 
You know, like Paul saying, I've learned to be content in all circumstances, whether I've had plenty or whether I've had nothing. You know, and then he goes on to say, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How did he learn that he could do all things through Christ? Because he'd been through everything. Church, you can't get to the all things kind of faith without going through everything. The lows, the highs. That's how we get the everything kind of faith. I know we like that verse, Philippians 4.13. That's a tattooed verse, right? That's a t-shirt verse. It's a hat verse. It's a bracelet verse. And then we start going through some things, highs and lows. We go, oh man, I don't want this. I didn't want to do everything through Christ. I just wanted to do really exciting, profitable things through Christ who strengthens me. But it's, it's all things. The highs, the lows, the valleys, the mountains, and the suffering, and the persecution, and the trials. It's all things. And so, you know, Job comes back in chapter 19, and he says, one of the best verses in Job, verse 25, he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. I know that. And so even though Job was believing in God and in Jesus, the Messiah, who would come, even though he had not yet come, what's keeping Job afloat is that he does have faith that there will be a day when all things will be made right and he will be redeemed. He will be redeemed. And he says, and I shall see God for myself. So he has, what? Eternal hope in God through Jesus. Yet these, yet, yet, yet historically, we have difficulty even placing Job anywhere. But if we put it even in the, you know, where we would imagine it would be, which would be somewhere around in, in Abraham's time. This is before very many prophecies were spoken about Jesus. This is before um, just about everything that we've read from Genesis until now, except for maybe, you know, like the first, you know, 30 chapters or so. Yet because eternity is placed in the heart of man, and because Job truly knows and fears God, he knows and believes that God is so good that one day he is going to take back this world and he's going to redeem everyone who truly pursued him and sought after him and that they will see him. He just knows that. And so that's his faith and that's what's getting him through difficult times. And of course, how much easier is that for, for us to believe now? Because we've read the prophecies. We've got the Holy Spirit living with inside of us. We know of Jesus. We've read the Gospels. And so uh, we need to meditate on these things and just remember in all things and all trials to endure because our Redeemer lives.